0: Hey, everyone. We're happy to be back to bring you King's Talk, presented by City Crown. As always, this is Tony, accompanied by John. Um, Man, what a a fun time to come back to do this podcast. Uh, Kings have won two preseason games, both by 30 or more points. Keegan Murray's looking like a stud. You know, the whole team. I I know it's just preseason, but I mean... Man, that team looks good. They look fluid. The ball movement looks good. Um it's just, you know, with the season about a week away, it's just you know, I'm getting really excited for for what's to come. John, how how are you feeling about all of this? Well, just a few like
1: introductory notes. It's just it it um it's both a surprising thing and not so surprising thing to see the Kings playing really competitive basketball and I know it's just preseason but you can tell the guys are bought in you can tell that there's a system in place that has a chance to succeed they definitely have the talent to succeed and you know we kind of knew this you know it's a huge stark contrast from what you're used to seeing from the Kings I mean there's usually hope there's been a lot of hope at the beginning of seasons but you know this one seemed really backed up, and this was this is what makes it not so surprising was the way things closed last year. After they got Sabonis, oh man! Right then, it was just like a flip of a switch, you know. And other components started coming together. Fox was playing better. You had contributions from a guy like Trey Lyles, who's going to be a contributor this season. You had Davion Mitchell step up, you know, it, it, things like that. And so it's both kind of amazing and also kind of like yeah. He, this is exactly what I expected, um, but there are—I feel like it's a little bit more of a surprising thing because it's a little better. Uh, I know it's really early, but they—they—they they, they, things just seem ahead of schedule. Everything that they did in the off-season leading up to training camp, whether it was you know getting together and playing pickup games in the facility in the months leading up, or I think Mark Jones was talking about—it it was the first I had heard of it. I think um like Sabonis inviting guys to his house basically for like a little mini training camp um or even on a smaller note speaking of Sabonis guys going to Eurobasket and getting in a you know game shape um you know all these things have put and uh, another thing I should add is Mike Brown's uh uh he had each player have the meeting with the player development coach so that everybody was clear about their role I mean, all these things were, it was such a thoughtful and meticulous process leading up to this that, I mean, it's paying off. Because, you know, the pace, uh, the trailblazers on Sunday night, they, they, they looked like a team that was playing, you know, their second or so preseason game. You know, um, a couple guys were hurt, um, couldn't play, but, um, you know, guys didn't look great. Um and they they look like they were figuring a lot of things out, Lillard included, and um, you know the Kings they look ready to go almost. I mean they're figuring things out in terms of the lineup and whatnot, but it's just incredible because everything's just flowing and grooving like you're saying on both ends of the floor. Obviously there are things to work on, but at this point in the preseason, it seems it seems like there's reason to be excited everything's being substantiated here and you know there's a lot to get into and so we're going to just need to get into this piece by piece um and i think one of the big kind of storylines right now is the starting four position because it's kind of like a movie that was written that's really cliche and you're sitting there you know just kind of playing along with it like we know, Murray's the best player of the essentially three guys that could start at the four. You know, KZ Acapala and Trey Lyles. Talk about them in a second. But it's like it's it's like a predictable movie. You kind of have, especially with the whole aspect of the rookie who's not going to be handed anything. And I don't know. It just seems like I know how this one's going to end. And Murray is to start with him. I mean, he's he's playing like one of the best players on this team. And again, it's early, but everything from summer league to here, he's just looked like an NBA player. And of course, maybe something happens when the lights come on in regulation or written the regular season, but <laughs> I don't know. He just looks so solid. He's just plugs right in. He'll do what he needs to do. Um, he, when he got plugged in early into the first quarter against the trailblazers, because um, Akpala wasn't I think he had an early foul um, and he wasn't playing great in the first half uh, really at all um, and Murray came in and I think Murray missed his one shot that he took um, and he wasn't like filling up the stat sheet anywhere but you could tell the team was playing better he went in there he was, he was plugged right into the situation with the starters and he did not try to do too much he plugged right in he just helped them and I think he ended up uh, in that quarter, you know, while Akpala had a minus something, uh, or maybe a plus, like maybe just a marginal plus one or something, you know, Keegan Murray had a plus 11 from just like his presence being out there. The Kings were obviously playing better. And then you take into account when you do need him, you have him coming off of screens or whatever, um, or the split cut action or whatever, getting him open. He has so many ways to score the ball. And it just seems like that three pointer is just. Um, he's one of the, he's right up there he was one of the best three pointers on the three point shooters on this team, it seems. And there's so many things he can do, whether he needs to be a factor or not, you know, a big factor or not. I mean, it just seems like whatever you need him to do, he's going to do it. And he's confident and he's poised. And I don't know. I feel like I could talk about Keegan Murray all day. Um, <laughs> and I feel like you could do the same. So, you know,
0: how good has Keegan Murray been? <laughs> i mean and keegan murray's been he's been fantastic it it's it, from summer league through two preseason games i mean you can argue in the two preseason games that he was the best player on the floor each night i mean five for six from three on sunday um and then, i mean what was he like four for six or four for five on the monday before i don't remember exactly like that was a little long ago but. man, just that three point shooting alone, he's, you know, he's shown defense. He's shown he can rebound, even, you know, you know, get some block Mm -hmm. shots some steals. Oh, he's just, you know, he's just so much better than I imagined. I mean, I was hoping he'd be good and, you know, at one point in his career, but he's just showing it right off the bat. It's so quick. Um, you know, summer league MVP and now just showing up to preseason against, you know, Actual NBA talent instead of you know, summer league, you know, whatever you want to call those. I mean, I guess some of them are NBA talent, but a lot of people are fighting for spots in the league. So uh, it is nice seeing him do it against, like, you know, Jeremy Grant and Damian Lillard's out on the floor, but um, it'll be interesting to see if he can replicate all of this in the regular season. <laughs> of course, that's when it matters, but, um, yeah, I mean, nothing bad to say about Keegan, but I mean, talking about that four position, that starting four position, um, you know, I, I mean, Casey Arpala has been starting at the four and, you know, you got Trey Lyles and Metu and Murray. There's kind of like your, your four fours right there. um, I mean you start off with Murray, but I mean I'm gonna start off with Akpala and Metu. <laughs> if this team wants to be a legit team, a legit playoff pushing team, then Akpala and Metu can should not see this floor very often this year. Um if they are, then I think that's an issue unless they've shown a vast improvement. They're just, you know, they're just not they're just not that good. <laughs> they're not like top of the rotation guys definitely not starters I mean Metsu started what like 10 something games last year mm-hmm. and that tells you a lot and I, they're, I think they're far past that you got a guy like Trey Lyles who is a good player he I would not want him starting on this team um, but I think he's a great piece off the bench but you have Murray you have this guy who just seems to like fit in so well with this team and what's needed, especially adding that three-point shot around Sabonis and Fox. He has to be your starter. Um, if you want to be a legit team, he will start. I get it. Brown probably wants to, I don't know, make him earn his minutes. And it is it is kind of interesting seeing Ohtala start just because he's probably going to be the 14th or 15th man inactive each night. Um, you know, I don't know. Mike Brown and him are kind of close from, you know, their national or their Nigerian national team days and uh but I mean I think it was always Murray's job to lose and after his last two preseason performances, it's uh yeah, it's his.
1: Yeah. I think to stick with Murray for a second, it's just like you said, it that it's the the, the idea of making him earn it it, it for, i've noticed that some fans almost think it's a little ridiculous um but it's like whatever it can't hurt it seems like Murray thrives on that kind of mentality um i think you're right he's the if he, he he's he's proving that he's one of the best players on this team and to maximize that it's important for him to start and there but there there are also reasons though Just to keep in mind that it shouldn't be crazy about an an idea of Trey Lyles starting and then actually being beneficial to the team. And let me explain why. Not necessarily saying this is how it's going to go or this is how it should go, but there's an argument to it. First of all, Keegan Murray in the second unit, that's a lethal second unit. And Keegan Murray would still probably close games. He would be a focal point in the fourth quarter. Um, He'd be in there, you know, almost every night did we talk about davion mitchell being in the closing lineup he would be in the closing lineup often but murray would be in the closing lineup regardless if they're up down close whatever you know i feel like i just feel like he's just he does everything he plugs into whatever position you need him to play whether it's more out on the wing or more as a four He's he's got it going and we talked about all the things he can do offensively um and we saw that with that second unit in the first preseason game. And I get it's just one preseason game, but in Los Angeles, that would be killer. But more importantly, think about Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles came to this team last season and he became an instant factor when he was a starter. And he, I don't know that he closed a lot of games. And I feel like he didn't play like a ton of minutes. But he was a starter. He was a steady presence and he was productive. Very good on the glass, kind of as always, but as a shooter too. And one of the things that's really important to note about Trey Lyles is that he, I think he's played a little over 120 games as a starter in his career, and he's played somewhere around 350 games as a 300, it's 126 games as a starter, 323 games as a reserve. As a starter, his field goal percentage is 45.9%, three points, 38.6%, free throw percentage is 76.7. Those all drop when he's in a reserve role, and he's in a reserve role more often, yeah, 43% from the field, 31.8 from three, 72.7 from the free throw line. Um, Obviously, his rebound numbers are the same. Or they're a little higher as a starter because you're getting a little bit more minutes. But, you know, uh, there it's, it's six total rebounds a game as a starter as opposed to 3.7 as a reserve. Again, that is kind of in relation to the minutes. But there's a drop off in numbers there. Trey Lyles is historically a better player when he's a starter. And we saw that last season. And in the game against Portland, who started the second half? Because Acapulco was really bad. You're right. We'll get to him. And I'll get to him in a second. But Trey Lyles started the second uh, half. And Trey Lyles was not good in the first half. And he was not really a factor at all in Los Angeles. Again, in that reserve role. And he comes out starting with the starters. And he was pretty good. He hit a cut. He, he hit two threes. He was solid. He was active on the glasses. He's always going to be. He's really one of the best offensive rebounders on this team. Um I know that the two offensive rebounds he got on Sunday night were on the same play. Tip and miss tipping. But um, you know, it's very clear that it seems like he seems settled in. He 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 might be more comfortable with the starters. I'm willing to admit that maybe he just needs to get comfortable with the second unit more and he could easily be doing the same stuff. Um that could easily be the case. But right now it seems like he's almost better suited for the starting lineup or at least there's an argument there is what I'm saying. And it's just throwing it out there. I still think in my opinion, <laughs> I still think Keegan Murray's got to start. I do kind of think that Lyles if he's going to if he sucks as a reserve, it's not going to be forever. He'll figure it out. It took him a second to find a place on this team. Um just kind of getting thrown into it. I'm sure he can figure it out finding another way. He's a veteran. He's a smart player and he's another one that doesn't try to do too much or anything like that. So he's going to just fill in and, uh, but can't rule it out. And it'd be interesting to see who starts on Wednesday against uh, the Suns. Um Cause I wouldn't be surprised if Lyle's is starting that game. Cause it kind of plays into that. Murray has to earn it, but I mean, that's, I would throw that out there about Lyles. I don't know if you want to add anything on Lyles before I go on to some of these other guys.
0: No, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, Lyles plays better as a starter. Um, you know, there's proof of that. To me, it's just not enough of a factor to start him. Over Murray, I think Lyles would be fine off the bench still. And yeah, you know, like Murray leading that second unit would be awesome, and that second unit would be crazy if Murray was on it with mitchell monk murray and holmes that's like it's like the king starting lineup last year almost (laughs) you know one it seems like one of their better lineups in recent years Um, obviously because they've been so bad but if you want to maximize murray's potential and you want to even maximize the bonuses and fox's potential i think having murray out there with them as much as they can and of course like he'll be in the closing lineups if anything if he doesn't start but I think if you start off with those three right there, yeah, I think it just it just maximizes all three of their potential. They have that guy who can they can kick it to in the corner, um, so he can you know get those shots off, and he has a couple of good passers around him who can give him the ball. So that's why I think Murray starts though. I, I can see your point with Lyles and Murray off the bench, but I just. I don't think it's as important as Murray starting and how good of a starting lineup it can be this year, really. Yeah, no, I agree.
1: I totally agree. I just do think, I, I, I think Murray will be the starter probably all year, um, barring a setback or anything like that. But um, I do still think that I'll, you'll probably see Lyle start in Phoenix, or at least I wouldn't be surprised. Because that seems like that would fit right in with the thing he's doing you know i mean also i it's probably still more likely that Akpala starts at the four cuz i feel like he just wants to see and try to get something out of Akpala. um and kind of moving on to him um you know it's it's interesting cuz you have to admit that he's one of the better defenders on this team but other than that he's he's not he's not he doesn't have a lot to offer um he you you could tell that when he wasn't when he was fouling on defense which is kind of a big no-no with mike brown um as with it as it should be with anybody um and he wasn't doing the little things and of course he it's not like he was hitting the three miraculously um it's very clear that he becomes a net negative like i said as soon as you put murray in there murray didn't even have to do much he didn't have to do anything he just had to play along plug right in not make any mistakes and hold the line essentially um, Akpala can hurt your team really fast. He's got upside. Mike Brown's probably not completely crazy saying that he's got potential to be a defensive player of the year candidate. But you got to remember that he also said in the same sentence that he's got to figure out a way to get on the floor. Um, it just doesn't seem like that's going to necessarily happen. Um, it he, he He had an opportunity, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to capitalize on that. I do think you're probably gonna look at a situation with Akpala this season where you're looking at Bazemore. And just to talk about Bazemore for a second, Bazemore is kinda of, he was in the last unit of the four units on the first pre, in the first preseason game. And then he didn't really come in until late in the second one and he closed out the game. And that's not like a great sign, but of course he's a veteran. He's play he played pretty well against Portland. Um he doesn't really hurt you. Um, I think you're probably going to look at a situation where night to night, it'll be between him and Akpala going inactive. Um, and kind of seems like Bazemore should be that guy. But Bazemore lost his spot last year with the Lakers. So, I mean, thing anything can happen. But, I mean, that's probably the reality with Akpala. But I would be, I mean, it seems like Mike Brown really believes in Akpala and at least wants to hang on to him for a bit. So... I mean I would expect him to maybe make the roster. I wouldn't I mean that's not crazy, but it's just like this whole starter thing is just it was a nice idea and if it worked out it would be amazing. I mean like sometimes you think about it you're like oh man like cuz if he can check the best player on the other team like that does so much for you. Cuz this team they run with pace. They they move a lot. Everybody's active and competitive on both ends of the floor. They use a lot of energy. Um you know it's kind of important if you can kind of just put the bulk of a load of guarding a LeBron or something like that, um, you know, on Akpala, you know, put him on Kawhi Leonard or you put him on, uh, Booker maybe in Phoenix or something like that. I mean, it seems like he'll guard the one through the five, honestly, maybe not the five, but definitely the one through the four. And like, that would be great, but it's just like, I don't know. he, I remember the first three-pointer he took against the Lakers, he clunked it off the side of the backboard, and I was just like, ah, that's not a good sign. (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) I like I like Akpala. I really think, I mean, we've been saying it, out of him, Moneke, and Merrill, he has the best upside. He's definitely the guy you probably want to keep if you had to keep one of them. But it's just like, it's back to that. He started for a little bit. That was a nice idea. It's back to reality here.
0: Yeah. I, I think Akpala will make the fifteen man. Um we did see on Mon- or Sunday night that Maneke, Merrill, and Quinn Cook didn't play. And the Kings need to cut three people. <laughs> you know, there's the three not playing, uh and they're you know, I think they're suspected as a three that were gonna get cut anyway. So mm-hmm. it's not too surprising. I, I I mean we've been talking about this narrative of, you know, who's going to make it between Maneke, Merrill, and Akpala. Um yeah. I always thought it was Okpala just because of that defensive upside. And at least he has, like, a clear-cut role where Merrill adds shooting, which is, you know, a lot more clear than what Maneke adds as well. But, I don't know, Okpala just seemed like, man, if this guy can just hit his shot, like, dang. Like, he can, you know, he could probably be a guy trying to get you know, starting four spots in the league. But if all he can do is play good defense and, you know, especially with Sabonis out on the floor, you need at least one of your big men to be able to shoot the long ball at a high clip. And that's not going to be Sabonis. And, you know, that's going to leave it on like Paula. And he just hasn't proven that, at least in preseason so far. But I think he'll make the team um, and probably be that, you know on the and in on that or in that inactive spot, most nights maybe come in here and there, um, make the 13 active spots. But yeah, he just it's that shooting really, it's just kind of brings him back, yeah.
1: And you know, we were also you had mentioned Chemezi Metu and uh, Chemezi Metu, like. We were talking about Akpala here, and we're saying at least Akpala can play defense, maybe if he's not fouling. um, He can play defense. He's really got something there. Aside from the Mezzy Mamba moments, man, I don't know what Shemezzy Metu's doing. And quite frankly, out of the guys that played the other night, he played the worst. Um, You know, Akpala and Lyle started pretty horribly, but Metu wasn't great. You know, he Metu came into the game and he fouled three times in a little under four minutes, and that you do that in a game in the regular season. Um, when you are in a essentially in a roster position like Metu, where you are talking about if he's on the roster, you are dangling between being inactive and active. You are really not doing yourself any favors doing stuff like that. And again, it's not like he's going in there and playing terrific defense. People, I mean, he's not, a, I'm not going to say he's a terrible defender, but one of the things people say about him and that adds value to him is that he's a four and a five. He's got a big enough body to play the five. He's guarding Nurkic a couple of times last night. One of his fouls last night was on Nurkic, he couldn't handle it. I don't think that – I don't know that there's as much defensive versatility as maybe it's played up sometimes uh, about him. Maybe I'm making that up. Maybe I thought that just myself. But, you know, it's just like you watch him and you're like wondering. And he went oh for 4 from 3. And I feel like maybe like two or three of them, it's like, yeah, this is the ones you needed to take. But there was one, I think it ended up being late in the shot clock, but before he'd gotten the ball, he'd had the ball, and I think he'd kind of been holding it. And just like that's so antithetical to Mike Brown's move it defense. You could hear Mike Brown all last night on the sideline. It was amazing. It was great. You could hear everything he's saying. You're like, oh, man, this guy is a great – he's throwing out directions. fantastic, And a lot of coaches do. You just don't get to hear it, but it's just like – I I didn't hear Chauncey Billups doing that as much, or at least as loud. Um, Mike Brown was engaged and everything like that. And you know, man, uh, you know Metu just—he did. I, I don't know if he was yelling at him when he should have been moving it there, but it's just like you're getting these constant reminders all night. And it's just like there was a couple moments. It wasn't just him. I know like Keon Ellis held it a little bit, and a couple other guys in the final unit. It wasn't like the most free-flowing thing but um they're working some stuff out but you know metu that kind of almost sums him up he's not he's kind of got some balance to him but he's kind of like not explosive or anything it just seems like i don't know like tony i know what you're gonna say here because i'm gonna ask you a question i know what the answer is gonna be but i'm gonna ask it anyways um what do you think Chemezi metu adds to this team and I don't want to be mean or anything like that. I like Chamezi Metu. I root for him. He had a Mezzi moment uh, all throughout the end of last year. He was great in the final like 12 games or whatever. He was awesome. But it's like, I'm not seeing that now. And you're not going to just wait around for that. But what does Metu do?
0: Uh, I mean, what does he do better than most people on the team? I guess be a spark of energy off the bench. Uh, like I've said in the past. He was the one to throw down dunks and you know get the get the team and the fans into it, but I mean other than that, I I I haven't I, haven't, I didn't really care for Metu personally. He's only made the team in the past years by default, and now he's actually on a you know on this King's team that actually has some real talent trying to grab some roster spots, and I think it's it's really starting to show and show what Metu is. I, I mean, I'm amazed this dude like got some starts last year, but I, I guess that just showed how weak we've been at that four position for the last couple yeah, of years. Looking, looking for something. Yeah, but I mean, you're saying that he's a like a five or a four. I, I I don't think Matthew should ever be playing the five. I think at points he's an undersized four. I think he gets away with it because he's a bigger guy and he's athletic, so he can. You know, he has that kind of mitch, mismatch body uh, type for a four. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, I he's supposed to be a three-point shooter. I mean, like, Chemezi Matu, like, in theory, is a stretch four. I'm not saying that's what he is, but that's how, like, the Kings have used him in years past. What did he shoot from three last year? Like, 30%? Maybe, yeah, maybe like, not even yeah. that high? Was yeah, it 30? It was like 30. Did he even get to 30? I think
1: it was thirty point one, but it was under okay. thirty for most of the year. He closed it out very well.
0: He did close it out very well, but the dude takes he he shoots like he's a shooter. Like if he shot like Trey Lyles and maybe knocked down one or I I don't know. He just every open three it feels like he takes and you know you shoot thirty percent all year and then you're only making three out of ten. It's just it's just a bad clip. He's not a good defender. I don't think he's like terrible, but he's not like. Wow, like, like I, that's not you know, he's not on this team because of his defense. He's in he's on this team because he has potential to be a stretch four. And I think, you know, he's over he's overstayed his welcome. Personally, I just I don't understand it. I'd rather have Akpala on this team. So at least like I was saying, at least Akpala adds in defense and you know you're gonna get that from him. I, I would rather even have Maneke. At least Maneke's you know, like, Okay, I don't know what this guy's gonna Yeah, here, go
1: you it. know who I would rather have? I would rather have Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill, the only reason Sam Merrill has no chance of making this team is because he's in a very redundant position. Like, you don't, you have Herter, Monk, Davis. You even got, you know, uh, Bazemore and you got other backup guards and uh, Mitchell and Delvadova, presumably. Um, you just, like, it doesn't make sense to carry Merrill. I mean, the thing that I like about Merrill, the thing that I think is great about Merrill, particularly for this team, and I'm not just going to say it's three point shooting, is that he's almost kind of like a cut rate version of Kevin Herter. He he can play him in the pick and roll. He's a two he's a two guard that can handle the ball. Um, he's a great shooter. I mean that, that, that adds into it. Um, he does a lot of things, you know, kind of he's like a cheap rate carbon copy version of Kevin Herter. And I think kind of having backups that play similar style. I mean, I think that's what I like with the idea of Lyles being Murray's backup. Lyles is a guy that I mean, like physically, they're a little different. But Lyles is they're both guys that aren't going to try to do too much. They're going to help you when they can help you. They're going to find ways to help you. They just they they have a similar like play style. And I feel like you'd get the same thing out of Maryland. Merrill. Merrill is. You know, he's a great three-point shooter. Um, he's very, very good. And, again, it's about what are you bringing. And I think you were going to say it about Moneke. Moneke, you talk about – because I was surprised you actually said that Matty brought anything because I thought you were going to say nothing. But you you gave him some, some credit for, like, you know, the ability to come off the bench, maybe get an alley-oop, and fire up the crowd. That's important. Moneke would be better at that. I mean, Moneke kind of was a little choppy with the ball in the one game in Los Angeles. Um, and it wasn't like he was exploding on anybody, but he definitely like that would be how he makes his money in this in this in this league, primarily. Um, and, and there's a level of mystery at least to him, and it's like there comes a certain point where it's just like, this is Metu's what third season in Sacramento. It's just like, don't you kind of know what you got? I mean, how much how much time of to evaluate this guy do you need?
0: No, it, exactly, exactly. It's like he was given his chance. He made a game winner one time, but it's like, you know, he 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 was like exactly what you're about to say. And I cut you off and I'm gonna say it worse. But he was yeah, he's been here two years. You you know what you're gonna get from the dude. It's nothing special. And like you were saying, that mystery Moneke. I'd rather have a guy, you know, bring in that mystery, maybe, you know, give give opposing coaches like a different like you know, like oh like like what do we do with this guy? Unless, you know, Metu, just leave him alone in the corner. He's going to shoot that three if it's given to him. So
1: Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is I was just talking about that Metu's kind of a stagnant player. What did Maneke say on media day? He said he feels like he's the best cutter in the world. He's a guy that's built to play in Mike Brown's offense. If he's going to succeed anywhere, it's in Mike Brown's offense. I actually don't know if Chemezi Metu's best role is in this offense. I mean, he might be better off going to a place like being in and up in a place like Utah where he can get some play time or something, but. Like, you know, a team that's totally rebuilding or something where maybe he could see the floor. It's just like, because like I said, the I like Metu because sometimes, I mean, like, I think he should, shouldn't be on this team. I don't like him that much. But uh, I, I I think he's, it's. I get excited when he gets hot and he just starts, you know, throwing up shots. And he's just like, oh, man, messy mama, dude. Like, here it is. But it's like, it's like what we we're saying. It's just like, you got to get to reality at some point. And he's been here long enough. And that's just kind of it's kind of tough, but that's just kind of the reality of that situation. But not to 100%. not to not to continue digging on them. But um, just we were talking about guys that uh, the guys that didn't play against Portland that might get cut, and um, you know, another one of those kind of training camp battles was the starting point guard position or the third point guard position. <laughs> There was no ifs, ands, or buts about the starting point guard position, but that third point guard position on the roster was very much a two man battle between Matthew Dellavedova and Quinn Cook, and I think both of us kind of felt like Dellavedova had the edge, but there was reason to believe. I know James Ham kind of posited at the beginning, although I know James Ham's opinion of Vadova has really changed since getting to know him and seeing him in the on, on the practice floor. But um, you know there were re- reasons to believe that maybe Quinn Cook, with his three point shooting um, and better injury history, could be the the guy. But Vadova seems like he'll be that guy. Um, by all you know uh, appearances, um, and he's I, he's just good for that. He's just he, we were talking about it. I mean, like he's got a little bit better size than Cook, although not exceptional. But really what you like about him is the way he plays, the way he communicates, the leadership. He's such a... You see him out there playing with like Keita, uh Ellis. I mean, he's out there with like Baysmore last night, but it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. You just kind of feel like he's babysitting. And it's not like... That's no disrespect to Keita and Ellis, but they're not NBA players. Uh, Ellis is, I think, going to be an NBA player probably in a year or two. Um, Keita, he's coming along Um We'll see. Um, he definitely has a lot of confidence, Nimus Keita. I mean, he's a, he's a confident dude. But, um, you know, they could be NBA players soon, but they're not NBA players now. So it's just like you have a dove out there. And I don't know. I just I just feel like he's a good, he's, just, he's perfect for that role. And in a locker room presence too, I think that could be a huge thing. So, you know, I don't know. Quinn Cook played for Stockton last year. Maybe that's a pipeline thing where he'll go play in Stockton again. Um, you know, that that could be the thing. Um, as with Merrill and Maneke, too, they, they they may very well end up there. Unless I think I think they'd be free to grab, but uh if that doesn't happen, I would imagine they'd be in Stockton. But um Del Vidova was is the guy and uh like I said, it was kind of what we expected, but I don't know if there was any if there's anything that surprised you about Del Vidova or anything like that or Cook.
0: I think what I'm going to add to this is that I think Della Vadova is just better fit for a third string point guard role. Mm-hmm. And I say that and it's going to sound like I'm dogging on him a little, but it really isn't. He just, so like Quinn Cook, he was in Stockton last year and he, if you look at his Stockton stats, they were super good. And so I just see Quinn Cook a little more as a guy hungrier to prove it in this league. Still a little more than Della Vadova or Della Vadova knows like he's if he got this role, he'd be third string, a locker room guy, kind of like a teacher, like that. Where I think Cook, like I think it'd be harder to put Cook at that third string spot. Like if I, you're asking me who my second string point guard is, I'd rather have Cook than Vadova, personally. But as a third string guy, you want a guy with championship experience, a guy with leadership qualities, right? Or Cook, he just seems like to me personally, is that he still wants to prove it that he can make it in this league. And maybe if you throw him out on the floor, he's going to do too much. Where Del you know, he's just going to play it smart. He's going to play it cool. And so that's why that's why I kind of always liked Del at the three or as the third string point guard over Cook. Mm. But, you know, n- nothing against Cook. I just think for that role, it's such a specific role and a role that's not going to see a lot of time on the floor, I just think Della Vedova will provide more quality minutes than Cook. Like I'm saying, I think Cook would be your better second string, but as a third string, I think Della Vedova fits a little better. He just, I think he would just be more cool and collected.
1: And I think you're to you know, to kind of add to that point that uh, Della Vedova is just a better fit, Um, if like Fox or Mitchell misses some time, like Dele would slide up to the number two, but it's not like you'd see him in a heavy dose. There's so many ball handlers on this team. Um, I mean, like, of course you'd want to have a floor general out there. That seems like an important thing. So Dele would get his time, but it's not like he'd be the primary guy, all of a sudden in pick and roll things. He would definitely be still playing that leadership role. And the idea that having, you know, whoever the other point guard is that didn't get hurt, having Kevin Herter and Malik Monk as guys that can, you know, handle the ball in the two man game. Terrence Davis was showing last night that he could do it, you know, and you also have Murray and Barnes even, and like the ball handling thing's not going to be really an issue. So it's like that even makes it, you know, even when Delavadova slides up to number two, which I would imagine would happen a few times, No, you know, nobody plays, not everybody plays 82 games. Um, I think in that way, just the way the roster is constructed, the ability for so many guys to play on ball, like it won't force Stella Vadova to do too much. And it probably helps him too that he's got that mentality where he's just, he knows his role. And Cook would know his role too, but I think you're 100% right. Um, And that's kind of also like another thing that was kind of interesting going into it was it's just like, that just kind of, that really added to it. It's just like, yeah, but... Like, let's think about this really. Like, Cook was probably, you can probably make the argument that Cook is the better overall player. But della Vadova, his intangibles, um, his on-floor presence. Like I said, the way he's communicating and talking to everybody. I feel like there are a few times in the game against Portland, it's just like whenever he's on the screen and in between plays or as a timeout, going into a timeout, coming out of a timeout, he's talking to some younger guy. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just that's what you want to see especially if with a coach like Mike Brown is talking all the time. So, yeah, I think Delavadova is is just a better fit for the role and the team. But um you know, we've been talking a lot about uh kind of the uh the bottom half of the roster mostly um here. Uh we have, you know, we were talking about Murray being the the four, but you know, that's still up in the air, I guess but there are four starters that we know. Darren Fox at the one, Kevin Herter at the two, Barnes at the three, and Domas at the five. That um, obviously looks good on paper, but seeing it over the last two preseason games has been really fun to watch, especially watching them, like I think Fox and Sabonis, I mean, the guys were missing shots in the first game. It was nice to see guys like hitting shots and things kind of working out. But it's just like, man, it just seems like this these these guys being in the starting five, along with you know whoever else is in there, it just seems like these guys are... I mean, these are really good NBA players. And it's just... It's kind of crazy that this is the Kings. I don't know. Um, just the way they complement each other. Like I said, the ability for so many guys to go off-ball and on-ball. I think, you know... But uh, Darren Fox hit, hit three threes last night. He was three of three from behind the line. I think... Um, one of them was off of like a triple handoff action where he just kind of did a pull up three with Sabonis. I think another one was a catch and shoot. I can't remember what the third one was. Um, he's showing that he can play on ball and off ball. That's a big emphasis for him and Sabonis. But when you say that him and Sabonis have to play off ball, it's far, I feel like it's far more important for Darren Fox to be doing that. Um, Cause Sabonis, like we've said, is kind of air traffic control in the high and low post. So, you know, it's more important to kind of have that movement with the other four guys. And so if he's hitting threes, that's a huge deal. And the ability to have him play off ball comes from, you know, like I said, Kevin Herter being able to play. You saw him handle the ball a good amount. You did see him do that a lot in Atlanta. Uh, I spent some time, kind of more time watching some of his uh, tape from Atlanta. And it's just like, he did so many screen and roll actions with, you know, whether it was John Collins who could hit threes or drive to the rim or Clint Capella who he could set up for an alley-oop. You know, he was he was great, you know, coming around off ball. But obviously on ball, he's just great. using. I know he used the twist screen action a lot. It'd be interesting to see if we'll see that with the Kings this year. I don't know. I mean, like I'm sure, that, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if a player's preference is. I don't even know if that is a player's preference, but you know, you see so many different things. I don't want to get bogged up here. There's see so many different things from the ability to play on ball and off ball, all orchestrated in the center by Sabonis. You got a guy like Barnes in there who can also set screens, roll off, kind of like a John Collins almost uh, was doing it in Atlanta with Herder that I was talking about. I mean, there's just so many different actions, so many things for a defense to worry about these four guys, presumably starting to think about the starting five with Murray, it's just like, that substantiates it even more. This starting unit is it's impressive, and seeing it is, I mean, like, the progression like I said, from game preseason game one to preseason game two, uh, the execution was better, and it's going to be, they're going to just only get better. Um, not just Fox and Sabonis, but all these guys. And, man, that starting lineup is impressive, though.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, kind of going on Herter alone I was really happy when we got Kevin Herter because that just added another layer of depth um to this team just because it we had you know our shooting guards last year were Buddy and Davis um right and what happened when Davis went out who was playing two why am I blanking anyway um I don't know who was the who was the starting two last year most of the year oh it was Halliburton duh oh. until he got traded it, there, that was two point guards <laughs> the forgotten
1: man I know <laughs> already
0: man. oh because that was hey, that's <laughs> but you know you had Buddy you had Davis and I mean Buddy was a liability of course we all know Buddy and Davis I like Davis but he's not your starting shooting guard at least he wasn't last year he was he was a good two um But I mean, you had we signed Malik Monk. I'm like, okay, like Monk and Davis. That's like, that's a good, you're pretty good at the two there, like better than what we have been in recent years. But you bring in Kevin Herter, who's a really good role player, it's been on winning teams. You that pushes Monk to the bench, which just adds you know, that just makes that bench unit so much better in itself. Herter, a guy who can also play the three, which can relieve Harrison Barnes of some minutes. I just thought that was such a smart move. He's he's just gonna fit into this perfectly with his three point shooting ability and his team defense. Um I was I was I thought that was the best move of the offseason really. I mean you can draft argue drafting Keegan Murray, but like in signs and trades, I think that was that was the best move. Um and then we were talking you're talking about De'Aaron Fox hitting threes and it was nice. He hit three for three on Sunday from, you know, long range and man if he can do that all season uh, that would be that would be so big if he can if he can shoot like 36 plus I mean if he can somehow get up to 38 I mean I think he's an all-star at that point no doubt but if he can if he can just prove that he's a three-point shooter his game is going to open up so much it's going to be crazy and I, you know, he's been working on it a lot, and, and I feel like he works on it every year. But it just seems a little different, especially after what we saw him finish last season with. He was shooting the ball at high clip after shooting it very poorly in the first half. So, hopefully he can transition. It looks like he kind of is already. Oh, man, if Fox can hit that three consistently at a high clip, then... This team is going to be really good, and I think Sabonis and Fox will both be all stars. If Fox can do that, especially if he can do some catch and shoots as well. Man, that's going to be that's going to be a really good starting lineup. And Fox and Sabonis are going to lead that pack. But even if he doesn't, I mean it's it's still it's still the best starting lineup we've seen in a very long time, and you can only be happy about that going forward, and you know look forward to see what they can do during the regular season. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of pinpoint on Fox there, he
1: he closed out after the Sabonis trade. He closed out with shooting 36% from three in that time. And we, we were all talking, like, this is the best De'Aaron Fox hot streak. Like, he not only is he he's seemingly getting in the paint and getting shots up and in. <laughs> like I remember the game against, like, Chicago or something like that. Just, like, early on, you're just like you – I don't know, maybe it wasn't the game against Chicago, but there were so many games there. It was just like down the stretch, you just see him just getting buckets. And you just add that three-point element. And he was doing it again at a 36% clip. And we were saying this guy's playing the best basketball he's probably ever played. Of course, Sabonis plays a huge part in that. But you see him hitting threes. Also adding in the defensive kind of, which you know he started playing solid defense. And he seemed more bought into things and everybody points to the stat that he play. you know when the opponent is great um you know uh he kind of comes out and plays defense he just didn't call anybody a sorry motherfucker but um that's the thing with him uh i'm referencing uh draymond green if you're not aware but uh you know darren fox we were talking about how great he was and seems like he's going to be able to pick up where he left off and if he can do that if he can shoot 36 percent, maybe even better there's no doubt that this guy's going to be approaching 30 points a game and like how's that not an all-star you know and he's just i think he's 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 going to be one of the leading scorers in the league you know he he especially if he's hitting threes, man, he's going to be so good. It's ridiculous. And like I said, you know, he seemed more bought into things. You could see it on the defensive end, but overall, when he knew his place, both Halliburton and him balled out after the trade. You know, it's fair to say, as many have pointed out, that both have benefited from kind of having the clarity of being the guy. That maybe that does affect them. And it's not like they had any animosity towards each other. They like each other. They're hanging out, you know, but – that kind of locker room dynamic, that you know, where's my place in this franchise matters, and then you add, you clear that up for him, you get him Sabonis, you give him that, you know, not just the best facilitating big that he's ever played with, but the best in the in the world, and uh, that that ups his game. You bring in Mike Brown, who teaches this whole you got to be active, moving, competitive spirit on defense, all these things. His coaching staff of Luke Lux, who had him, who was in Italy with him, you know, working out like it's just all things are pointing to that. And man, I don't know. It's just like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's like there's so many things that are like wow, I kind of expected some of this. But even so, it's like it's even better than you expected in a lot of ways. And it's early. I don't want to get ahead of myself here. They haven't played a regular season game. They've only played two preseason games. But it's just like all signs are pointing to being on the right track, which is all you can ask for right now. And it's, it just makes this all the more likely. And, man, we we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago, like, oh well most likely it'll just be sabonis probably being an all-star there's a good chance that sabonis will be an all-star especially if this team's winning games and we we're kind of like yeah it's kind of hard to have two all-stars but it's just like if fox is doing this then he's that then i mean then he's gonna be an all-star and it's just like i said it's, things are headed in that direction uh as it stands here in early to mid-october Man, Fox, is it's crazy to think about what he'll be able to do.
0: Yeah, it, it just seems like Fox is really primed for a big year. Um, I mean, we all thought he kind of was last year after he scored 25.2 points a game the season before last season. So two years ago, and you're like, okay, like, dang, 25 points a game. its going to come out and have a huge year. You know, he kind of started off a little slow, and it didn't help having two point guards on the floor at once. Um, with Halliburton and himself but like you said like they Fox you know the Halliburton got traded and you bring in Sabonis but that just really solidified Fox as that franchise cornerstone and um, you yeah, know he just ran with it and you, you know full season full season with Sabonis ahead and just you know playing off of what he was doing at the end of last season he just he just pushed for a big year and you know, if he, he, he's poised for a big year and Sabonis can keep doing All Star worthy things, then you know what does that say about the Kings and where they can where they can do this season? I just I expect big things all around, and I'm not saying like a sixth seed or a fifth seed, but even like pushing for an eighth seed or even the ninth seed. It, it sounds like such a lame goal, but you know it's baby steps. And from where this franchise has been for the last sixteen years that's a big step in itself. And I think, I think they can really do that and surprise a lot of people.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think we'd, we'd, we'd mentioned this, but whether or not Murray is in the second unit and part of the, any chance at success this season is not just going to come from the starting lineup. They're going to be great. They're going to be very good. Herder said, there's no reason that they shouldn't be one of the top offenses in the league. Like we're talking about, Fox should be one of the top scorers in the league. But the second unit matters a lot, too. They've got to be able to go in there and do second unit stuff. And as we're saying, whether Murray's in there or not, Davion Mitchell, you're two. Malik Monk, great pickup. Um, Trey Lyles, dependable starter. Um, You probably also, I guess, would throw Terrence Davis in there. If we're assuming Murray is, in fact, starting. And Rashawn Holmes, one of the better centers in the league. Uh, Definitely the best reserve center in the league. Um, You know, that is a hell of a second unit. And it'll be interesting to see how things work out because I think there's some chemistry that needs to be worked out there. I think having, you know, Barnes, Sabonis, and Fox having all played together last season, and that makes the starting unit far, you know, they know what they're doing. Simonis is out there. He makes everybody's job easier. The other two know him. The three of them have played together. You're adding in a guy like Herter who plugs right in. You're adding in a guy like Murray, presumably, who adds who plugs right in as well. It's easy to see how that's kind of going to hit the ground running. The second unit might take a little bit more time, but it's got all the makings to be very, very good. And I was just talking about like Trey Lyle's was playing better with the starters that might have something to do with the fact that he also was playing in that starting lineup. He would have been the fourth guy. If he's a starter, that's four guys that played together last season. Um, maybe he just needs a little more time to kind of get comfortable with the second unit. Um, you know, you're seeing steps from Davion Mitchell in the first preseason game, he kind of was making silly mistakes. He shorted up in the second, uh, half. Mike Brown said that the defensive shift in the second half started with him. Um, That might just be pumping up his player, um, pumping up his point guard for the second half. But, you know, I don't think he's completely making that up. Um, You know, Monk is getting more comfortable. You you know we're going to get out of Monk. I mean, he's going to be the bulk of the scoring off the bench. He can handle the ball a little bit. Uh, He's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, uh, Lyle's solid, but just needs to get comfortable. Holmes, great role man. Um, set screens, set up for oops talk about energy off the bench. I mean, that could be him. Uh, This second unit, if they can just kind of get comfortable, and it'll be interesting to see in the um, Portland, or in the uh, game in Phoenix, if they can make that kind of next jump. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what these guys can do and if we can see these five guys on the floor together against Phoenix. But, I mean, you give it a couple of games into the year and they start figuring things out, I mean, this could be this could be such a useful, you know, component of the team, the second unit, the five guys in the second unit. I mean, that's it's impressive.
0: And do you know someone who I'm really excited to see this year, and who's basically getting zero attention? It's Harrison Barnes, and uh, yeah. that's because I've been I said it when we got Sabonis last year, was that Barnes was being utilized as the number two scoring option, which should never be the case. And now with Murray stepping up, as you see in preseason and what he did in summer league, it's like you were saying, like, yeah, I think Murray could be the third option. Like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Like, I think that's pushing it. But shoot, after seeing what he's doing, like, I totally understand where you're coming from. You throw Barnes at the four option on scoring. Um, I mean, you know, maybe even the fifth behind Herder or Monk, even. Yeah. You know, just just a reduced role from what he's had to do since he's been on the Kings. And yeah, he's not going to score seventeen points like he did last year, um, you know, because he's not he's not the second second guy to score the ball. But I just think he's going to have just a very nice year. He shoots the three ball, the high clip. I think he's going to he's going to benefit it from <laughs> he's going to benefit from all of this a lot. Um, you know, he's not going to have those burnouts that he usually does mid season. And uh, I I just really like Barnes. I was really hard on Barnes at the beginning of his King's tenure, but I, I really fell in love with him last year. And, you know, he's just, he's perfect for this culture. He fits in with this team really well. I mean, I feel like he fits in with any team really well. He's just, you know, good three-point shooter, good defender. Um, I think he's going to be, he's just going to have a really good, yet yeah, probably quiet season. But I'm excited to see what he can do with a reduced role and a role that he is meant to play, you know?
1: Yeah. What did he do in Golden State? He wasn't even close to being the primary option. And when the ball came to him in the playoffs, he hit his threes. (laughs) I I think you're going to see a return to that, Harrison Barnes. You got to make the playoffs first. But everybody points to it. Look at his shot chart. And we wrote about this at the beginning of training camp. One of the questions about Harrison Barnes is is he still the third option? Well, probably not. You know, when you have Murray and Herter, (laughs) you know, Uh, and that's probably a good thing. His shot chart when he was in Dallas was all over the place, and then he started to play better in Sacramento, um as James Ham at one point noted when he started shooting simply either within ten feet or from beyond the arc, limiting any other shots uh It was a cleaner shot chart and a more efficient shot chart. He is just he's able to be such a heavy impact and efficient player by not having to do too much. It just seems like throughout his career, that's kind of the thing with him. He's very good. He's very talented. You'd like him maybe to be like, I mean, like, look at the beginning of last year, you know, or like the first game of the year. Like, how many points did he score against Portland last season on the opening night? And it was like, oh, my God, is Harrison Barnes going to be an MVP candidate? Obviously, no. But it's just like he's so much better suited as a fourth or fifth option like you're talking about. And he's a guy that's going to do what he needs to do. He's going to hit his shots. He's going to play in the pick-and-roll game, He'll stand in a corner. He'll do anything. He'll cut. He's a great cutter. Um, I think another thing that gets kind of over uh, overlooked, um, well, Mike Brown actually said it at the, at the end of the, the Portland game, so it didn't get overlooked at all. But Harrison Barnes had three offensive rebounds last night uh, against Portland. He's good. He's, he He wants to get active on the glass. You take the scoring load off him, like you're saying, and he's going to be able to kind of spread out and do other things, be more active on the glass, be a better defender. I always talk we always talk about how he's like he's not a great defender. I mean, he's like a solid team defender. He's probably going to thrive in this Mike Brown offense in this Mike Brown kind of uh style defense. But it's like well, you're taking that scoring load off him, maybe he'll be a little bit better one-on-one. You don't want him to be on an island against anybody, but maybe he's a little bit more effective with less of a scoring role. So I think you're absolutely right, and I think spot on. It, it, there's so many things to talk about; it does kind of get overlooked. And he kind of is when you think about it of the starting five, you know, Fox and Sabonis. everyone wants to talk about them. Herder, you're talking about. He's like the great pickup. Murray, the rookie that everybody's got their eyes on. That's surprising, not really surprising everybody, but you know, is, is playing great. Barnes kind of gets forgotten, and I think that's a great point because he's going to have a big year in a, in a way that's not going to be like blowing off the stat sheet. He's just going to be you're gonna, granted. He doesn't get traded, um, which you can't rule that out last year of his deal. um, But I mean, like you think about it, it's like, I don't want to be too optimistic and like uh sappy because um, it's a business, but it's like, you know, maybe he has a great year not playing a huge role and he can kind of not take up so much money and be with the team going forward or something like that doesn't that kind of serve a similar purpose if he can just kind of because i'm sure that if he's winning playing a starting role here he'd be more than happy to stay i don't want to overspeak, but finally getting some stability seeing things being done the right way i mean i don't know like i said i don't want to get ahead of myself on that but it's just like he He can really have a big year. He could really make things interesting going forward with the whole idea that he could very well be traded or he might not be here next year, or maybe he will be. I don't know. Um, It's a great point about Harrison Barnes.
0: Just to add what you're saying about not thinking ahead, I mean, to think ahead a little, the small forward gradient class uh, next offseason is very, very limited. So holding on to Harrison is probably not a bad idea unless you can get one in a trade. I'm just saying. That's a good point.
1: And right. I mean, Barnes yeah. is a good one. And he's only, he, I know he's going to be, well, he's 30 this year. And so he'll be 31 next year. This guy takes care of his body, arguably, you know, he's he's almost best in class in terms of that. And he's modified his game and he's almost gotten better with each year. And, of course, you're getting to a point in your career where you're going to start to plateau and decline maybe even in production. But if anybody's going to kind of extend their prime a little bit, it would be Harrison Barnes, right? At least I would wager.
0: Yeah, 100%. He's the one to do it. The way he takes it's, care of himself. And especially, especially taking a exactly, reduced exactly,
1: role. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it was just a – yeah, you, you got it. Hell yeah. So I think that's a great point about Harrison Barnes. It definitely can't be overlooked. Um, man, very, very impressive. Um, but you know, just a few guys that maybe we could touch upon since we've almost touched upon everybody on the roster. Um, talk about the depth of this team. And when you have a situation essentially where you can look at maybe Terrence Davis is kind of a second unit guy, he's going to be utilized. Um, but you know, think about Terrence Davis, you think about Alex Len and you think about maybe a guy like Kent Bazemore and even Acapella. Cause I was talking about, you know, they might be between them suiting up or not, you know, um, you think about these guys and it's like particularly Davis Len and Bazemore and it's like depth pieces and add deli in there too. That's, that's, that's great. You know, I mean like what the heck? Like, those guys are all steady forces um, that, you know, are going to be able to, like Davis, in Davis's case, he's going to go out there and be effective. Um, In Bazemore's case, he's going to go out there and not hurt you. And even when he's not playing, he's going to help you. Len, he goes in there. I mean, Len is, he's also great in the pick and roll game. He's a big guy. He adds some rim protection. You see him block Damian Lillard on Sunday? That was great. I think Akapala was startled when he found out that Len was on his back. Um, he was backing up as Lillard came to the rim and Len came up from backside to help and swatted that sucker away. And then he came up on the other end and had a dunk. I mean, like we talk about all the Len all the all the I was say all the time, all the Len, but all the time. Alex Len is just like Delhi in terms of being a third point guard, Len is just the ideal guy to be, you know, at the five. I mean, it's as the third five and you know, the depth of this team is just, that's just, I don't know. I, again, it's like one of those things where it's just like, you just haven't seen this. And so it's interesting, you know?
0: Yeah. The depth, I mean, like you're saying, just looking at those, those third string people, like in Davis and Lynn and even Dell it's just, it's just so much deeper than we've had in a long time. And like, legitimately, it's not like, Oh, we got Hassan Whiteside at the, you know, when he's kind of like a useless player in the league it's like these are real nba talent on your bench like monk and <laughs> holmes and mitchell is a pretty good bench alone right there i mean those are two guys that can be starting in this league um you no know, the depth is it's really encouraging and you know, and it's gonna keep people on their toes. I mean, I think Lynn can be a second string center on a lot of teams, and if Holmes starts, I'm not saying Holmes would, but just like you know, if he does, then he knows Lynn's right behind them waiting to get those minutes, and especially at that that uh, that two spot, like Davis, he's probably the third stringer, like you know, in quotes. Like I, mean, I feel like he's gonna get more minutes than Lynn will, but like if Monk or Herder start slacking, then Davis is right there, ready to ready to scoop up those minutes. So, like we've been talking about this, um, like training camp is a friendly competition that's gonna that's gonna roll over into the regular season and hopefully make everyone play better. That competitiveness to stay on the floor. Yeah, I think one note about
1: Terrence Davis is, um, I think Terrence Davis knows that he's got a little, he's figuring it out. He's known it from the start. He was the one that started saying healthy competition from the beginning of camp. And he saw it firsthand on on Sunday. He, uh, I think, gave up three easy baskets, one in particular where he just completely lost his man. And, you know, timeout and got pulled. And he was playing well. Like I said, I mean, he was, he looked like a good guy with the ball in his hands. He was hitting his threes. He looked good but he made those mistakes that were really big no-nos in the eyes of Mike Brown and he noted it after the game that like accountability is a big deal and so just that that note that and that kind of spreads throughout the team i'm sure that's the whole mentality that's the understanding that's the reality and i mean i don't know that's just i think that's going to bring out the best in davis and yeah you're going to see a lot of three guard lineups and he's going to be playing a lot But um, it's important for him in particular to make sure that he's playing defense because especially if he's technically the third shooting guard, if you have a situation where Malik – because Malik Monk's not a good defender. um, I think Malik Monk doesn't even really have the physical attributes to be a a plus defender every night. I think he can plug in and kind of stick with his man decently and – do all these things to kind of be a decent team defender, but he's not gonna be a great defender. Terrence Davis actually has the potential to be a good defender. He has the six nine wingspan. You know, I feel like he has everything there to to, to be a decent on ball defender. One of the things obviously as I kinda of noted there is a the problem is he kinda of gets a little foggy off ball. Um, he just needs, needs to lock in there because if he if Monk is having a bad shooting night, um, and you're not getting that production in the second unit from him. Um, you know, one of the things that's really going to push the hand to get Davis out on the floor is not only if Davis can come in and be a replacement shooter for him, but also if he can come in and play better defense because then all of a sudden you're looking at situations where, well, maybe Monk's not doing terribly, but maybe you need that extra defensive punch. Davis really needs to lock in on that the defensive side of the ball. I've been talking it up all offseason. I was pulling my hair out watching him play defense early on last uh, on Sunday night. Because I was, <laughs> I feel like an idiot, but I'm like, you know, Terrence Davis might be the best defender out of the three shooting guards. And I'm like, ah, shit. He doesn't look like it. Not like Monk does, but nobody said <laughs> Monk was going to be it. But it's just like, man, I, if, I, I, I do. But it's clear that he understands that. He, it's clear he's going to work on that. I expect him to be better, and I expect him to be forcing his coach's hands. I, I, I expect that if this team is going to do anything that they want to do in the win column, it's gonna to have to be tough distributing the mitts. It's gonna to have to be a tough decision.
0: Yeah, I mean it will, but you know, I, I you know, seeing what Mike Brown's done so far with this team, uh, I think he's gonna have it under control. He's a smart guy. Um, I don't know, it, but you make a good point. But I guess it's up to him at this point. See what he does. But it is nice to see him putting an emphasis on defense. And, um, you know, he he won't let people get away with making bad plays. Yeah.
1: And you saw that with Akpala getting pulled early, too. Um, Yeah, exactly. Like I said, because I feel like we kind of covered everything there, but it just seems like it's early, but it's like at this point, everything that you'd want to be happening, like it's kind of happening. You're on the right track to be doing something good this year. So, so far satisfactory grades for the most part so far.
0: Yeah. The Kings are giving us a lot to look forward to. With, Like I said, the season in a little over a week, Wednesday, the 19th, um, we have another game tomorrow against the Suns at seven. Um, I'm definitely gonna tune into that and see what's uh you know, see if the Kings can keep up their thirty point routings against <laughs> these other preseason teams. But it's it's been fun to watch so far and you know, I just wanna watch more. Yeah. I can hardly wait for the regular season.
1: It's actually good to watch what is going to presumably be competitive basketball from start to finish.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be Probably the most exciting season in a long time. So, I mean, just buckle in and I guess enjoy the ride from here on out. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a long season, but like I said, they've they're the Kings are giving us a lot to look forward to and it's hard not to smile after watching these preseason games and just hearing everything going around training camp. It's it's awesome to see in here. But do you have anything else to add? I think that's it that covers it (laughs) all right well thanks for everyone that tuned in and until next time have a good one